Reading is taken from Luke chapter 13, verses 18 to 21. The parables of the mustard seed and the yeast. Then Jesus asked, What is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? It is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and became a tree, and the birds perched in its branches. Again he asked, what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 30 kilograms of flour until it worked all through the dough. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, John. Uh, We're going to be thinking about God's slow work among us and his hidden work among us. We sort of understand the idea of the parables, but most of us take a while to actually learn what God is trying to teach us. Uh, Take me, for example. I put on my trousers and shoes this morning to come down to church, and it was so hot that I was dripping sweat, I went back and changed into my shorts for the morning service. For the evening, I thought, it's cooler, the sun hasn't been out, put my trousers on. Why don't I learn? Anyway, anyway, let that be a parable, and not necessarily the word of the Lord, that God's work in us often is slow, and we have to learn. We need a few times to get the hang of things, and we may well be reminded of some things tonight, but that's because we need to be. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, these very simple parables. We probably all as children took mustard and cress seeds and planted them and put them on our windowsills at home and watched them grow. And we understand the idea of seeds growing slowly. We've all eaten bread. (laughs) Some of us have made it and kneaded and seen how the yeast works through. And we know that you are at work in slow ways, in hidden ways. But we pray, come now as we reflect on this, as we think about it. Come by your Holy Spirit and teach us what you are wanting us to learn, for us individually and for us as a church. Speak, we pray, and we pray for grace to follow where you lead, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So twice this evening, what is the kingdom of God like? It's like a mustard seed. What is the kingdom of God like? It's like yeast. And I just thought I'd speak a little, for a few minutes of introduction about the kingdom of God. Jesus is often talking about the kingdom of God. Uh, right at the start of Jesus' ministry, Mark tells us, Mark 1, 14 to 15, after John the Baptist was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. And here's the summary of his message. The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near or within reach, repent and believe the good news. So the kingdom uh, of God is at the heart of the good news, the gospel that Jesus has. Now, the kingdom of God is not a geographical kingdom, like the United Kingdom. We're a geographical kingdom. The kingdom of God is a spiritual kingdom, and if you bow the knee to Jesus as your Lord, you are then part of his kingdom. And that is the invitation Uh, The kingdom of God has come within reach of every one of us. It's not far away. Jesus coming to this earth brings God's kingly rule within reach of every one of us. We may be looking the wrong way, 
and Jesus is just there. But when we realize he's there and turn around, he's literally within reach. He's within reach of each one of us this evening. He is, as it's often said, just a prayer away. He's absolutely within reach. And God's kingly rule is within reach for your life. But to be part of that, you have to repent. That literally means to change your thinking, change your mind. We often think about changing direction, uh, as said this way to that way. But in order to do that, first of all, our mind changes. We, wanna, we need to think there's something worth turning for. Uh, and often we've believed a lie that God's kingly rule will not be good for us. It's the lie of the evil one in the Garden of Eden, that God's a spoil sport, and if you take him seriously, it'll spoil your life. And if you take him really seriously, it'll really spoil your life. That is a lie. It's not true. We need to change our thinking that God is good. He's the source of life and joy and coming to bow our knee to him as Lord, to live the life he's made us to live, is good news. We need to change our thinking and believe, not just in our head, but in our heart, to trust, believe enough to do something about it, to trust him. Uh, I grew up in a Christian family, so I learned an awful lot about Jesus growing up. I had a second-hand faith through my parents. Uh, I tussled as a teenager whether or not I was going to follow God's way or not. I saw the downsides more than the upsides. And as I've often said from this place, and no doubt I'll say many times again, when I went as a student to the university, that was when I bowed the knee to Jesus as Lord and was blown away by the joy and the life that came in. And if you think that following Jesus is bad news, you need to change your mind to repent and learn to trust him. Uh, the kingdom of God is not only within reach. There's another... another summary of the kingdom of God, it's both now and not yet. So in the person of Jesus, God's kingdom has broken into this world. And you see signs of it in the healing ministry of Jesus, for example, but he didn't heal everybody. We see signs of it today in the growth of the church and God's changing lives. But some are healed and some are not. There's still tragedies in this world. The world is still groaning, that earthquake. We've been praying for those who are affected by that today. One day Jesus will come again, as surely as he rose again from the dead, and then everything will be made new. Then the kingdom of God will come fully, and every knee will bow, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. But we live between that first coming, when Jesus first came, and the second coming, when he comes again. And so we see signs of the kingdom, but we don't see it yet fully. God's at work among us but uh, we all have our puzzles. Why has he done that and not that? So the kingdom is both now, it's present, we're part of it, God's at work, and we're waiting for it to be fully here when Jesus returns. So there's some introduction about the kingdom. Now then, what do these two little parables have to say? What light do they shine? First of all, verses 18 and 19. What's the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? Well, it's like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and became a tree, and the birds perched in its branches. It starts so small, the mustard seed absolutely tiny. But it grows, and it grows, and it grows, and it grows. In Matthew's Gospel, it says it becomes the biggest of all garden plants, to the point you could call it like a tree. And birds perch in its branches. It grows and grows slowly and steadily. And so it has been for God's work in this world for hundreds of years, thousands. Think back in Old Testament days how God took Abraham and through him his family 
and they grew slowly and steadily with an awful lot of ups and downs. So it is with Jesus. It starts small. We'll hear at Christmas how he came to Mary, probably a teenager. And then Jesus is born, thought to be illegitimate. And then Jesus picks 12 disciples, fishermen, ordinary people, uneducated men. Uh, and it starts small. All of this in Judea, a, a backwater province of the Roman Empire. The important stuff was happening in Rome. That was where Caesar was. That was the big dramatic stuff, surely. But actually God was doing something small that grew and grew. And as it was persecuted, it grew and grew more. And the more Christians were persecuted, the more they seemed to grow. When there were plagues in the Roman Empire and everybody ran away, the Christians tended those who were ill and dying. And slowly and surely the Roman Empire was converted and Christianity became the official religion. Amazing from that tiny beginning how it grew and grew. Julius and I were in Italy after Easter and uh, I'd been to Rome before, Juliet hadn't, and we looked around, we, did a, we, we paid for one of those walking tours where you can cut the queues and people know what they're talking about. And uh, there is the splendour of old Rome, the Colosseum and the arches. And in those days when Jesus was born, that was what was impressive. Christ Christians were not impressive, Christianity was not impressive. But then today, you've got the splendour of the Vatican, and all those riches there. And whatever you may think about whether that's a good or a bad thing, it's quite impressive. And ancient Rome isn't looking quite so healthy these days. The work of God has grown small and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger to the point where it took over uh, ancient Rome and ancient Rome slowly collapsed and God's kingdom has carried on growing ever since. Uh, I love reading about the growth of Christianity. Uh, and I want to encourage you, I was talking to someone in our church, not here this evening, who phoned me up and said he's got a friend who's interested in these things, but doesn't really want to read anything too heavy or direct. And I encouraged him to read some of how Christian values have shaped our society. And I said, if he wants something really substantial, Tom Holland, the historian, has written this book, Dominion, which is really substantial. How, and it's sort of a century by century, 20-odd chapters, growth of the, the kingdom of God, of the church, of Christianity uh, in the West, and how Christian values thoroughly shape the West. So even though uh, our nation has by and large turned its back on Jesus, it's Jesus' values that shape the, the dignity of women and men, of equally value, of children, of older people, of everybody. All the things that we value, whether it's hospitals or education or social care, it's often from Jesus and his followers that all these things have come. And in societies which don't take Jesus seriously, these things are not taken for granted. Uh, if you want something slightly easier, I like John Ortberg's book, Who Is This Man?, uh, that goes through the same thing. John Ortberg has a lovely thing. He says, um, oh, at least I like this, how uh, 2,000 years ago, the impressive people were Nero, the Caesars, and Jesus and his disciples were totally unimpressive. But now we call our children after Jesus' disciples. We call them Andrew and Peter and Matthew. And we call our dogs Nero and Caesar and that sort of thing. I really like that. Uh, there's lots of nice things in that book. Or an even shorter book, um, Glenn Scrivener has written this brilliant book, The Air We Breathe, that just takes nine of the values we take for granted today 
and show how they all come from Jesus. And this has been a slow, steady thing. This is how the kingdom of God works. Something slow, small, that becomes slowly and steadily bigger. Take this church, planted 150 years ago. As uh, Eleanor said, next year we'll celebrate the first service. But this church was almost dead on its feet 60 years ago. 1962, uh, the vicar retired elderly. Uh, the bishop tried to get people to come. Ten vicars looked and said no. The building had holes in it. It was cold. It was dark. There weren't many people. By 1963, it was a really low ebb. Uh, other churches nearby were full of 500 people. St. Paul's sometimes had 10 on a Sunday when Norman Warren came as vicar. Norman Warren kind of had to come as vicar. He didn't really have any choice. He was a curate in Bedworth. He had been appointed to a vicar somewhere else. Uh, the curate was taking his house. He was moving, and then the vicar decided not to go, and he couldn't go there, and he was stuck. And the bishop came and said, why don't you have a go at St. Paul's? Uh, have a go. See what you can do. If you can't do anything, don't worry. We'll probably pull it down. And Norman came and slowly and steadily taught and sung and loved and got involved. And a slow work of God got reborn in this place, such that slowly and steadily, slowly and steadily, with ups and downs in the 60 years since, this church has carried on growing, and we praise God for it. In the 23 years I've been here, I became the vicar on September the 11th. That's tomorrow night. I remember it vividly. It was a really hot night like tonight, and I had to wear my robes. It was <laughs> but I was a bit fitter then, so I'm sweating about the same tonight. It was, and that time we were less than half the number of adults we are now and about a quarter of the number of children. Now, it hasn't been spectacular. It's been slow and steady with some ups and downs. But it's been this sort of thing, a small seed that grows and grows until it becomes bigger and has a wider impact. That is, for it was the same where I was a vicar in Hinckley. It was the same where I was a curate in Chesterfield before. It's the same when you look around the world at what God has done. Talk to Richard and Carolyn about their work in Senegal. Uh, Richard and Carolyn are two of my heroes. Uh, they've gone there and planted a church, learnt a new language, translated the scriptures into that language, sowed the seed for a nursery school to teach people the language of the nation that's now a Christian school. It's slow and steady and unspectacular and will have felt hard work, I'm sure, most of the time. But when you tell the story in 30 seconds, it sounds amazing. But it's slow and steady, and that is how God does things. Uh, some of you know, or mo most of you know, because they're part of our mission partners in church, my daughter Rachel and James went out to Albania two years ago to work with another couple out in Tirana. It's been slow, steady stuff. If you get their news, it sounds very exciting because you get the highlights, but the reality is tough. But they've had the Alpha courses, the first people become Christians, the first mission trip into Azerbaijan, who knows in years to come how we'll look back and see what God's grown. At the moment, it's a day of very small things. Uh, we were rejoicing last week about the water at Notdek, the orphanage in Uganda we support. It was, what, 25 years ago, maybe 30 years ago, Dorothy Nazarembi took care of one child whose mother had died in childbirth. And from one, two, and then three, and then four, and then five, and now... I don't know how many, it's getting on for 200 children have been through, many of them back with their families, um, wider families, 
uh, sort of 50 living on site there and others going to schools, this work that's grown. But it didn't all happen just like that. It's slow and steady. So if you're wondering if God's calling you to start something new, it maybe there's an idea in your head of something that feels very small that God wants you to do. This is how works of God often start, like a mustard seed. But then it can grow and it can grow and it can grow. Never despair of any work of God because it looks small. It's we just pray that Jesus would work and it would grow and one by one. Think of praying for your family. I love it when someone becomes a Christian in a family and then God starts to work his way through a family. Or Christians in a workplace. How we've been praying. I think I remember how long ago was it that the car industry was really struggling in this place and we prayed for everybody involved in the car industry. Car industry booming now. I was chatting to a couple of people at JLR about some culture change there of inclusion and diversity, but the Christian group there is really, has a new freedom, as do other groups. Praise the Lord. Let's pray for the Lord to use that and for that small thing to grow. Uh, what about your workplace? Uh, so this is how God works, slowly, steadily, bit by bit. Sometimes things seem to go faster. Sometimes those blow up, sometimes they don't. But by and large, the work of God is slow and steady and doesn't look that impressive, but it just keeps growing over a long period of time. And that's our prayer in this area, that the kingdom of God will grow as we work with others to give everybody a chance to respond to the good news of Jesus. Um, Matthew's gospel has a slightly longer version. Let's just put that one up, Matthew 13. Jesus told them another parable, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his field. Though it's the smallest of seed, when it grows, it's the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree. So a little bit more information. Uh, so the birds come and perch in its branches. But there's this, just, this growth and, uh, and scale. So that's the first one. Uh, just in, uh, incidentally on that, we have a group in this church called Mustard Seed, our Hong Kong community, which started a year ago or so. Uh, I remember the first family from Hong Kong that came. I went to visit them. Uh, they were part of one of our small groups. They loved it, but they said, but praying in English and reading the Bible in English, could we have a group in our own language? And uh, we enabled that to happen, and now there's this Cantonese community. They've called themselves Mustard Seed. Long to see what God's going to grow through that. Just, it's just one year on. Uh, but who knows what the Lord might be calling you to do. Uh, let's move on, because there's another illustration, and we haven't got all night. So the kingdom of God, secondly, is like yeast, verse 20 and 21. What shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It's like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 30 kilograms of flour. I don't know how many of you work with 30 kilograms of flour at the same time. Jesus is using a big illustration until it worked through the whole dough. It would take quite a long time for the yeast to work through. This is a lot of dough. But the yeast will work like the mustard seed, slowly. But the difference in this illustration is it's hidden. You cannot see the yeast working. Um, it does produce gas, I gather, and there is evidence that the yeast is working. But it's slow and hidden, as it often is with God's work. You can't see what God's doing to start with. It might look like nothing's happening, but God is at work. And for the, the mustard seed, I talked about how God grows a work for the yeast, I want to think about God's work in you, in your life, what God is doing, what no one else can see about what God's going deep in you. 
And God's work in someone's life starts almost imperceptibly. Uh, I think those of you who didn't grow up in Christian families, you may not be able to know when the first seeds were planted. Might have been at a scout parade service or a school assembly. It may have been uh, a Christian said something to you, didn't even know it's from Jesus. Uh, and maybe you heard a verse from the Bible later on. It may be uh, you become a parent and a baby's arrived. You thought, where has this life come from? And you know the biology, but that doesn't explain the big question. Or it may be at a funeral where someone's died and you're wondering what's the point of life. This, something starts going. Uh, you might find yourself uh, praying. And you think, that's interesting, I didn't used to do that. And then you think, I want you thinking about God a bit more. And all of this is hidden. Nobody knows this is going on. It's deep within, like the yeast working its way through the dough. And someone invites you to church on Alpha Course. And you say, okay. Um, looking around, I know several of your stories. I know some of you have told me I was involved in the men's football. And I know all the guys I really respected, I thought, they all come to St. Paul's. I wonder if I ought to go. I said, whatever, it's just something. There's a work going on. And then you come, and you come to church, you come to Alpha, and you find you're drawn to find out more about Jesus. Uh, and you find you're even interested in reading the Bible for yourself. All of this is just, nobody would know uh, what's going on within you. You find your conscience is a bit sensitized. Things that didn't used to bother you at all start to bother you a bit. These are signs of that yeast working its way through the dough of your soul. Until you get to the point where you really hear Jesus' challenge to you, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand, and you bow the knee to Jesus as your Lord, and you trust him, wondering if, you're, if this is a good idea or a stupid idea, but you do it. And then you find, perhaps as I did, the joy flooding in. And you might have had a honeymoon period as a Christian, uh, and a bit like Mark was saying when he was interviewed earlier, and then maybe a couple of bad years, and you know, now I need to do something about this. And then we've got the whole of the rest of our life. God is at work in us, little by little, until every bit of our life is like Jesus. So we are not the finished article yet. I bowed my knee to Jesus as Lord 42 years ago when I was 18. And God's been at work in that time, and much of the time I've cooperated. Some of the time I haven't cooperated. But there's still some years left for God to carry on this work and for me to get better at being like Jesus, to become more like Jesus. This work of God is like yeast that takes a long time to work its way through the dough that is our life, our soul. But it does, slowly and surely. I love this verse St. Paul said to the Philippians, Philippians 1 verse 6, being confident of this, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. This Yeast will continue to work its way through you until you're fully like Jesus. But the, we do have to cooperate with this. Um, and I want to come on to that, but just a couple of things to say on the, along the way before I get to how we cooperate with this. Both of these are small things, hidden things. There's a lovely verse in the Old Testament, Zechariah 4.10, that says... Who dares despise the day of small things? Or don't despise the day of small things. When I was young, I looked at the small congregation in the village church where I grew up and the small Christian group at school where I was, and I despised them. And I didn't want to throw my weight in with it. How wrong I was. 
Uh, don't despise the day of small beginnings because God is at work even in these small ways. And just try and look to ask the Lord to open your eyes to see what's going on. It's not by the impressive things that God is most at work. It's often by the quiet work. In the same chapter, uh, just put up verse 6 of this chapter, the Lord said, uh, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. It's a wonderful chapter, Zechariah 4, with these two great verses. God does his deepest work by his spirit, not by the impressive things. And don't despise the day of small things. So how do we cooperate? Well, I was thinking about this yeast working its way through the dough, and I'm quite confident giving sporting illustrations or illustrations from parenting. I'm on slightly dodgier ground here because I'm not a baker. But from time to time, I have sat down and watched Bake Off with Juliet. Um, it hasn't quite become my religion, as it is for some of you, I know. Uh, but I notice that they do this stuff and then they put it in the proving oven. What's that? Well, apparently, it's a warming oven. Some of you will know very well. I'm very happy eating the stuff at the end of the day. Uh, Juliet, my wife, is a great baker. And by and large, things go better if I keep out the way, and she does it. Uh, but I, I, I notice enough that in the proving oven, it gives time for the dough or whatever it is to rise, for the yeast to do its work. So Juliet was away doing granny duty in Albania, uh, so I couldn't have a long chat with her about it. So I googled proving oven <laughs> and yeast, and I learned some things, and uh, some things I sort of knew but didn't know that I knew. You have to give time for the dough to rise. You can't rush it. If you bake too quickly, it won't work. If you leave it too long, that's not good either. Uh, I noticed, and I've noticed this from our bread maker at home, that there's times of activity, or days pre-bread makers, there's times of kneading the dough, there's times to work, and then there's times to rest, to let the thing rise. And I thought, well, isn't that true of the Christian life? Those who are always active and never taking time to rest or contemplate, they burn out. Those who never roll up their sleeves and get stuck in and serve, they actually just grow, uh, get a bit stuck. But for the Christian to cooperate with God in the way the yeast works through the dough of our lives, there's times of activity, there's times of rest, there's a rhythm. The Sabbaths and the quiet are about like the proving oven, giving time for the, the dough to grow. And I learned as well that I hadn't really thought about this, but you put it in a proving oven because some warmth really helps. And if you put it in the freezer, not much happens. Now, you know this with your own Christian life. At the times when you put yourself in the warmth of Christian fellowship, you're here tonight as you worship, as you're part of a small group, you read the Bible, you pray, you have quiet times, you serve, your faith grows. At uh, the times when I think of my teenage years, when I isolated myself from other Christians, uh, it was like that yeast that in my soul was in the deep freeze and nothing much happened. It was there. But as we cooperate with God, as we let his Holy Spirit warm us, if you like, put us in his warming oven, so the yeast works its way through the dough of our souls. Who knew I was going to use cooking illustrations? There's a whole new vista opens up, and uh, you can tell me afterwards where I've got it wrong, or you can tell me how much better the illustration could have been if only I'd known that. Where we are heading for is to put ourselves in the warming oven for a few minutes now. We're going to 
pray in a minute for the Holy Spirit to come. He's here anyway, but to deepen his work among us. Just for those of you who are always a bit suspicious about this sort of thing, remember when my kids were playing, they might have been doing Lego and I might have been reading the paper. I was there with them, I was present. But when they say, Daddy, can you get down and work with us, then I'm much more present. So it's the same when we ask the Holy Spirit to come more intimately. We know he's here, but come and really engage with us where we are. And there's these two ideas. There's what God's doing in our souls. Uh, The biggest thing we have to offer the Lord is our lives fully dedicated to him. And Jesus is at work making us more like him, using all the good stuff and all the bad stuff, and he can use it all. And then there's the growth of a work of God, and it may be God's putting on your mind, your workplace, or your family, or your street and your neighbours. And it feels there's not much going on. And say, Lord, how could this mustard seed grow so that a work of yours could grow there? Or it may be a ministry you're involved in in the town or this church. So we want to pray about God's work in us and God's work through us. And we're all at different stages. The Lord's doing different things in all of us. But as we put ourselves in the proving oven, it just gives a chance for God's work to grow in us. So that's what the prayer ministry is all about. Band, would you come back ready to lead us in a song? Please, would you stand? And I'm going to lead in a prayer. And we won't rush this. Um, But uh, we'll take some time praying all together. There's always time for more prayer after the end of the service with the prayer team as well. Lord Jesus, we've thought about these two very simple parables. And as we've reflected on them, we know this is how your work happens best, slow and steady, unspectacular but relentless. Praise you that your kingdom has been growing down the years. Praise you that of the increase of your kingdom, there will be no end until that day when Jesus comes and every knee bows. And praise you that you're at work in each one of us, and we're all a work in progress. And we pray now, come Holy Spirit, and minister your grace to us tonight, as it were, the warmth of your Spirit, that the yeast would increase and rise and work its way through our dough a bit more, Uh, that you would put on our mind works you'd have us be involved with, that while small may grow. So come Holy Spirit and guide our thinking. Some of you might want to just chat to the Lord and ask him questions. Some of you just be still. Holy Spirit, come and minister to us what we need from these truths. Let's be still. Sometimes as the Holy Spirit is working his way deeper into us, bits of us that have been perhaps a bit closed off to him before, sometimes the next bit he gets to is a bit of pain within us. Sometimes some of you will find tears coming in a time of ministry like this. Uh, That's fine. 
If God's touching you there, it's because he wants to bring healing from that pain. And uh, maybe a little bit of ministry tonight. It may be something you want to meet up with others to pray about another time, either one of us or down at the well. But if that's the next bit of the dough that the Lord is working through in your life, go with it. Jesus only does that because he wants to bring healing and the tears are a sign that he's working there. Uh, for others of you, it's very different things going on. You're thinking about your family or your workplace and how that mustard seed of the kingdom can grow there. Just ask the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do? See what comes to mind. We were praying before the service. Someone reminded us there's been a food festival in town. You may have walked through it. And there's encouragement to try new things, try new tastes. And you may need persuading some of those. But there might be something really wonderful that if you tasted it, who, who knew that you would like that? And the Lord may be putting a new idea in your mind. Almost the Lord saying, why don't you try this? <laughs> and we can trust him. He knows what's right. So Lord, we take all of these ideas. And we pray that your spirit would continue to work in us. And through our whole church family. Praise you for those who've gone before and for the growth of ministry in this place. We pray you'll extend that further. Praise you for your work in us so far. Uh, you may be here and sort of not quite sure about the Christian faith, in which case I encourage you to do the Alpha course. That's a really good way to explore the questions. So Lord, grow your work in us. Grow your work through us. And as we worship now, we pray that you will continue that work. We're going to sing, is it King of Kings, Majesty? that he is the Lord. We bow the knee to him as Lord. We're part of his kingdom. And it's good. His kingdom is the place of joy and love and peace. So offer yourselves again, as it were, bow your knee as we sing to Jesus, the King of Kings. Just as those three wonderful young adults going to do our discipleship year said, they want to give themselves to God and see what he's got for them this year. That's kind of God's agenda for all of us. So Holy Spirit, continue your work in us as we sing and then uh, long after we go home and as we sleep and tomorrow until we become more and more like Jesus and you're working in us and through us. And we ask it all in his name. Amen.